Hi, this is David Sachs, and welcome to Spiritual Tools for an Outrageous World. Every week we do a little couples therapy between us and God. It's a chance to deepen and explore our most important relationship. Hi, this is David Sachs with a special midweek podcast on love and raising up fallen love. If you'd like to be part of the Zoom talks that we've been doing, subscribe at TorahOnItunes.com. We'd love to make you a part of it. Okay, I'm glad you're here. Uh, we have a lot of amazing Torahs today. Um, let's, we, we're, we're in a new book, uh, Sefer Devarim, uh, which is the fifth book of the Torah, the, the fifth book out of five books. And um, there, there's an amazing uh, insight here. Uh, actually, my, uh, my cousin, uh, Gil, pointed this out to me, and, and you'll see something super cool here. Now, keep in mind that the, I heard from Rabbi Blech in the name of the Zohar, that on, you know, the Torah is functioning on so many different levels. On one level, from the first word of the Torah, you know, in Sefer Breshis, like the book of Genesis, all the way to the end of the Torah, that is one timeline. It's a timeline from the beginning to the end of days. So when you get to the end of the Torah, that would be the, the, the perfection of the world. So it's, it's working on that level as well. Now, with that in mind, listen to this amazing thing. Breshis takes place over a period. The book of Genesis takes place over a period of billions of years. Remember, the, the, um, the, the age of the universe is, is not an issue for us. Um, you know, from, from the Vilna Gon, which is hundreds of years ago, all the way back to the students of the Ramban, which is approximately a thousand years ago, they were already saying that the world was 14 billion years old. How, how, how do you see that in the, in the verses themselves? Because the sun and the moon weren't hung in the sky until the fourth day of creation. So in other words, the, the idea of the 24-hour day didn't start until, you know, midway through um, the account of the creation of the world. And like I said, the, the Vilna Gon is already saying that those initial days took place over billions of years. So, so, so that's, that's very fascinating that, that Breshis, the book of Genesis, takes place over a period of billions of years. Now, with that in mind... Let's look at this new book that we're in now. This is Moshe's, they, they often call it Moshe's farewell address to the Jewish people. And it takes place, you ready for this? Over 36 days. So, so look at how time is speeding up over as we advance toward Mashiach, as we advance toward the end, look how time is speeding up. The first book takes place over billions of years The last book takes place over 36 days. Isn't that amazing? And all of us know this in our lifetimes because we've seen the advent, the flood of technological innovation come down in the most astonishing way. And we see how time is going faster and faster. Not only that, but I heard a a Rav say in a a lecture, I forgot exactly who it was, but that the world has never had so many people as it has now in recent years. In other words, we have approximately now 7 billion people in the world. The world population was never close to that. And, and remember, we've been existing over 
thousands and thousands of years or depending, you know, you can say even longer, depending on where you want to start or by what, what, what measure you want to go by. So there's nothing stopping from the world having achieved this level of population way earlier. So, so the account that this Rav said was that basically as we get toward the end, all of the souls, all of the neshamas have to come back and are receiving their tikkun they're fixing right now. So as we get closer and closer to the redemption of the world, not only is everything going faster and faster and faster, but all of the souls are coming back in order to finish their final fixing. With that in mind, you can, I just like to add just an aside, it's just something to think about. And, you know, we're just speculating here, but it's just uh, interesting to think. All of the advances that have been made in terms of fertility, like in vitro fertilization and everything like that, it used to be if someone, Rahman al-Litsan, if they, if they weren't able to have a child for whatever reason, that's kind of what the reality was. But now there's all sorts of like advanced, you know, scientific breakthroughs in order to, to advance childbirth. And seen in the context that we're talking about right now, it seems like it's just another vehicle to get more and more and more souls back into the world so that everyone can process their final tikkun. In fact, it says in Gomorrah Sanhedrin, so this is going back a few thousand years already, right? In Gomorrah Sanhedrin, it says one of the ways we'll know that Mashiach has come is when all of the souls have come down from heaven and have been, have been born. So, so this, this thought is actually, you know, locked into to the, to the Talmud's understanding of the end of days. Now, the Orachachayim points out something very amazing, that, that the very first word of Sefer Devarim, remember, it takes place over a period of 30 days, is the word Ela. That's the first word of Sefer Devarim. Ela is Aleph, Lamed, Hey. 1 plus 30 plus 5 is 36. So the very first word of Sefer Devarim is telling you how long a period the book of Sefer Devarim took place over. Again, it's just how how many levels the, the Torah is, is working on simultaneously, like infinite numbers of levels. But we're going to get more to that later. So, so we see time is going faster and faster. And there's another... Another striking thing about the, the, the calendar that I want to share, um, it's, it's a thought we, we, we talked about before, but I'm going to add some, some new ideas to it now. And that's something very, very interesting, which is we know that Sefer Devarim, the book of Devarim, uh, is, was fixed by the sages to always happen before Tisha B'Av. So that, that's every single year. That doesn't change. And in fact, one of the striking things about Sefer Devarim is that it contains the word Echa right in the beginning, um, which of course is the name of the book of Lamentations. That's the name of the book that we read on Tisha B'Av. So this is the Parsha that, that the Chachamim fixed the calendar to make sure that we're always going to read before Tisha B'Av. And it contains right in the beginning of Sefer Devarim, the word Echa, which is the book of Lamentations that we read on Tisha B'Av. So, so that's, that's in lockstep with each other. So, so let's just take a couple of steps backwards and, and just appreciate the fact that we're all reading Devarim, whether we're in Israel or whether we're outside of Israel, we're all reading Devarim together. Now, why is that meaningful? It's meaningful because 
the Parsha of the week that we've been reading in Israel has been different from the Parsha of the week we've been reading outside of Israel for approximately the last couple of months. And that doesn't happen every single year, but it happens pretty frequently. And in other words, in Israel, outside of Israel, we haven't been on the same page. Now that's resonant, not being on the same page, because every year that we're out of kilter with each other, and we're going to talk about how we got out of kilter and why that happened in a moment, but every time that happens, the time that we get back together is always unsafer devarim. So, so why is that? So I want to say the following, which is that everybody knows that the temple was destroyed because we're hating each other in our hearts for no reason. And so we've got to get it together. We've got to be on the same page together if we're going to rebuild the base of Mikdash. We have to do it. And look how beautiful it is that we've been out of sync in terms of the Torah portions inside of Israel and outside of Israel. But every single year, we get back together, mamish on Sefer Devarim, right before Tisha B'Av, so that we can have the unity that's necessary to create this vessel in order to rebuild the Beis HaMikdash. Okay, so now I have two questions on this. The first question is, what is it about Sefer Devarim that gets us together? And the second is, how did we get out of sync to begin with? So, so let's just, let me just explain it on a, just a bread and butter level, just, just the, the mechanics of it. How did it happen? Okay. So in, in Israel, we celebrate Pesach, Passover, for seven days. Outside the land, we celebrate Passover for eight days. Okay. So far, so good. Now, here's where it gets, um, here's where we get thrown off track in terms of the Torah readings. You ready? So in Israel, many times, the seventh day will be on Friday, which means Pesach is over, which means when Shabbos starts, you're back into the week. Okay? Into the, the normal order of the Torah portions of the week. So in Israel, because it's seven days, when the seventh day is on Friday, once Shabbos starts, you do the regular weekly Torah portion. But outside of Israel, it's eight days, which means that even though Pesach has ended on Friday, outside of Israel, we carry Pesach into Shabbos. And since for us, Shabbos is still Pesach, we don't read the regular Torah portion of the week. We read a special portion for Pesach. Aha, that's how we get out of sync. So, so Israel's going to be a week ahead because they got back into the swing of the weekly Parsha and we were reading the special portion for Pesach. So we're now a week behind. Okay. Very good. Now let's, I want to say something now on a deeper level. What is it about Pesach? that gets us off the same page. Because when we're out of sync, that means we're not unified. So let's think about it on a deeper level right now. What is it about leaving Egypt that can cause us to be out of sync with each other and hate each other? 
So, on a very deep level, I want to say the following. You see, everyone leaves their Egypts at a different time, in a different way, according to their level. And it can be that I'm still in my Egypt while you're out of your Egypt. And I can hate you for that. I'm still stuck in all my problems, but you're off doing your thing. How'd you get out of your Egypt? I'm still in my Egypt. So I hate you for that. And let's look at it from the other side. Oh, I got out of my Egypt. You're still in your Egypt? I'm so much better than you. Look at you. I got out of that a long time ago. You're still in it? (laughs) Arrogance. Gaiva, right? More hatred. So that's how we get out of sync. Looking at each other with a bad eye. One of the things that we just have to absolutely understand is there is a competition going on. It's true. It's real. We feel it. It's real. There is a competition going on. But here's the mistake that everybody makes. It's not with each other. My competition is not with you and your competition is not with me. We're competing against our own potential. I'm competing to be the best version of myself. You're competing to be the best version of yourself. That's what it is. And it says, envy among scholars increases wisdom. If you're a scholar, if you're a scholar. If seeing someone else's attainment causes you to work harder in order to be a better version of yourself, then that envy was sublimated. You, you, you used it in order to elevate yourself. But if it was just envy, just for envy's sake, oh, I wish I had that or I wish I had that, then we've blown it. And then how do we get back on the same page? That's how we get off the, that's how we get off of it, right? And what's the answer, by the way? The answer to that is just realizing we're all on the same team, right? Everyone's working on their own projects. Listen, you can do things that I can't do, and I can do things that you can't do. Each one of us can do something the other can't do. Each one of us has a unique job in the world. If you understand that you have a unique job, then then you're not going to look at another person who has a completely different job, you know? And then, since we're all on the same team, you can root for that person and they can root for you. You know, Reb Shlomo said, a person can't understand, doesn't know the meaning of the word joy unless they can feel joy for another person's happiness. See, the problem is, is that sometimes someone has a simcha, something good happens to someone else. And we in our, in our lowness think that that's coming out of my pocket. It's not coming out of my pocket. Your happiness is not coming out of my pocket. 
when you understand that, but when you really understand that, then if they're happy, you're so happy, they're happy. And they're so happy, you're happy. This is what's called having a good eye for each other. Okay, so now, when do we get together? How do we get together? It all happens on Sefer Devarim, right? Before Tisha B'Av. So now, listen to this. Sefer Devarim is the only book of the Torah of the five books that begins with the letter Aleph. Isn't that interesting? Aleph, of course, is one. One is the ultimate unity. So we're all coming together as one. Now, how does that happen? Well, what is the special quality of Sefer Devarim? It's different from the four books of the Torah, the previous four books, because in Sefer Devarim, it's Moshe Rabbeinu is saying these words. He's speaking these words. And then after he speaks them, Hashem says, good, now write them down. So they do have the status of of God's word, because God says, yes, write it down, write, write it down. So it's the written Torah, because God commanded Moshe to write these words down. But at the same time, it's Torah Shabal Peh, because it came out of the mouth of Moshe. So now here we see an amazing synthesis, which hints at the first letter Aleph of Devarim, which is that Sefer Devarim is this amazing handoff between Hashem and us, and this fusion between Moshe speaking, that's Tor Shabalpeh, and Tor Shabekzav, Hashem speaking through Moshe. And they're fusing together as one. Let me put that in a more, uh, in a more relatable way. As I said, each one of us has this uniqueness. God's never made two people in all of creation from the beginning of the world until the end of world at the end of the world. No two people are ever going to be the same and no two people are ever going to have the same job. It's it's amazing. It's phenomenal the breath of Hashem's creativity. So so when you use your God-given uniqueness, your God-given talents, whatever they are, and you use them to do Hashem's will, that's the fusion of Tor Shabal Peh and Tor Shabekzav. You're using your uniqueness, that's Tor Shabal Peh. And you're having the Torah, the written Torah, the, the absolute Torah, flow through you and merge with you. And then what comes out is like this letter Aleph, this unity. So we said all the Jewish people, they're, they're, they're parting ways on Pesach, because all of us are going at different levels. And then that creates jealousy and that creates arrogance and, and infighting and all the rest. But then when we decide or when we realize that all of us are unique and we use our uniqueness to make our will God's will, then all of us all of a sudden get together in the most beautiful harmony. That's how it all comes together. So if you want to make peace, then direct your heart toward heaven. And now, let's get into the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdash, because this is the secret to the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdash. Now, we have this famous question from the Nefesh HaChayim, which is, if, you know, God fills the whole world, but God chose to make the Beis HaMikdash, the Holy Temple in Jerusalem, his headquarters, so to speak. 
So if that's the case, it should be invincible. You know, the, the clouds of glory that, that covered us in the desert were, were like bulletproof. If you, if you, the rabbis teach if you shot an arrow at them, the arrow would bounce off. So if arrows bounced off clouds, how much more so should a building, like a solid building, be able to withstand arrows, especially if it's God's headquarters, right? Nothing should be able to break it down. But it was broken down. It was broken down by, by the Babylonians, and it was broken down by the, by the Romans. So how could it be? So the answer is, is that Hashem withdrew the Shekhinah, his, his presence, in stages, one stage at a time, until it was just sticks and stones. And then once it's that, then anyone can knock it down. And that's what happened. Okay. So the Chernobyl Rebbe tells us something which is like the key to understanding all of this, which is, why did God's presence leave the Beis HaMikdash, the Holy Temple? Why? And he says that it's because we exiled God from our heart. And as we exiled God in our heart increasingly, God's presence increasingly left the Beis HaMikdash. Now, there's a very, very positive message there, which is, you know, surprising, that because it sounds so down, but there's something super fantastic about that, which is that if we put God's presence back into our heart, then God's presence, the Shekhinah, comes back into the world which means that it's all in our hands. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we put this tremendous light back into our hearts? So we talked about it a little bit last week, and I want to show you some very deep supports for this idea, that some amazing things that I found in the B'nai Yisachar, which will support this idea. You see... God only does good. God only does good. But there's two kinds of good that comes down into the world. There's the type of good that you can readily appreciate. You take a, you know, you're so, ah, I'm so hungry, and you take a bite out of a delicious, sweet, crunchy apple, right? Ah, it's so good. Like, you can taste the goodness of it. Like, like it's openly revealed right in the moment. You know, you go to your mailbox, ah, big fat check, Wow. Yes, thank you. It's, it's revealed in the moment. That's one type of good. But God only gives good. And there's a type of good which is so good that we don't have vessels to hold it. And that good, ironically, that very great good, ironically, tragically, manifests itself as destruction. If we don't have the vessels to hold the light, the light manifests itself as destruction. But that light is a very high light. It's a very great light. It's a very good light. We talked about it in terms of, you know, you have these three haftaras that, um, that, that are leading up to Tisha B'av, right? And these are the prophets warning us, you know, Got to get your act together. Otherwise, bad things are coming. It's going to get hard. 
right? And then that's followed by uh, seven Haftorahs of redemption. Very positive Haftorahs. And that ends out the year. After those seven Haftorahs, it's Rosh Hashanah. So structurally, it's very interesting. You've got three and seven. Now that should remind you of the Sphirot, right? If you take an X-ray of the energies of the universe, there's 10 right, energy components, the 10 Sphirot. And they're divided in the top three, which are the highest, highest light, and the lower seven. So these three weeks right now correlate with this highest, highest light of creation. But we don't have the vessels to hold it. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Now I want to show you some supports for this idea. Okay? You see, when God created the word world, you know, we know the famous, famous words, Vayahi or, let there be light. So a lot of people mistakenly think, um, just on a very simple level, that the Vayahi or, let there be light, refers to the light of the sun. It doesn't. It does not. Vayahi or refers to this initial great light of creation, like zillions and zillions of times greater than the light of the sun. And this light is so awesome, so awesome. So like, you see, let me, let me try to explain like the pleasure of the next world, right? How do you, how do you do that, right? But let me just try, okay? So you see, you've got different parts of your body are more sensitive than others, right? Like the, the heel of your foot is the least sensitive part of your body. That's Why is that? Because, you know, that, that was a kindness from God, because you're stepping on it all the time. Can you imagine if your eyeball was on the bottom of your foot and you're like, ah, it would be crazy, right? But, but God in his mercy made the least physically sensitive part of our body on the bottom of our foot. Okay, that was, that was a great kindness. The tip of our tongue has so many nerve endings, right? That's That's... That's our fingertips, right? Very sensitive. Okay. So can you imagine how sensitive your soul is? <laughs> like, like beyond nerve endings, right? Now, can you imagine at the end of 120, taking your soul, which is like beyond nerve endings, right? And plugging it into this ultimate light? Like, what is that going to feel like? Just ah, the most electric, <laughs> pleasurable, beyond blissful type of experience. Like we don't even have a way to measure it. The Chachamim said if you take all of the pleasures of this world, every pleasure you ever experienced over the course of your entire life, and you rolled it into one, one great pleasure, one moment of what we're talking about right now, will surpass it beyond, 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 beyond. So that's this great light. Now, now it says, the Medrash says that Hashem saw that there were going to be wicked people in the world. And he said, you know something? It's not right for the wicked people to enjoy this great light. 
So God hid away this light. Now, when the Torah talks about this light, it says right in, right in the beginning, it says, Es Ha'or, the light. Es Ha'or means the light. That's, that's what it's talking about. This Vayihi Or, let there be light, this great light of creation, which we call, by the way, the Or Haganus, the hidden light, because God hid it away till the end of days when it's going to return. So when God refers to this light, it says Es Ha'or, the light. So the gematria of Es Ha'or is 613. Isn't that awesome? Because where did God hide this light? It says God did the light. Where did he hide it? And the answer is in the Torah. Why? Because the Torah was great enough of a vessel to hold this light. Okay, now we're starting to get back to the point that I really wanted to talk about. Because we're saying, well, if we kick God out of our hearts, and then all we have to do is bring God back into our hearts, I can do that, right? We can do that. We can do that. But we have to make sure that our heart is the proper vessel to hold that light. So God found a vessel to put that light. Es Ha'or is 613. That's the Torah. Now I'm going to tell you something else. Now listen to this. This is from the Baal Shem Tov. We're going to go deeper now, okay? Before the Torah is given, it says, Ele Hadavarim. These are the words, okay? This is a few passages right before Anochi Hashem Elokecha. It's, it's talking about these words, and it's, it's talking about the Torah that God is about to give us. Ele HaDavarim, Ele. So Ele is the first word of Sefer Devarim, okay? This is in, in Shmos, right, when the Torah is being given. But, um, but it says that this great light burned for 36 hours. Now, now it's talking about from Erev Shabbos, before Shabbos started, till the end of Shabbos. But I'm going to tell you something right now. Um, the answer to a question that I had, it took me years and years and years to find the answer to this question. So I'm saving you, saving you years of scratching your head right now. So please listen carefully. Um, since this light of creation was created at the beginning of the creation of the world, right? That means it was created on the first day. What do you mean it burned for 36 hours? Right? But all the books, you look into lots and lots of books, including the B'nai Yisaskar, like lots and lots of books will tell you that it burned for 36 hours. But wait a second. If there's 24 hours in a day, like what? The math doesn't add up. So here's the answer. Here's the reconciliation, how they're both true. And it's like, I asked Rabbi Tatsis, and he asked him, and within the second that I finished asking him the question, he had the answer. Here's the answer. The Or Haganus, this great light, did burn from the beginning of creation, 100%. Okay? Man was created on Shabbos. Man and woman was, were created on, on Erev Shabbos. And... And so that 36 hours, when it's talking about the burning of the light, that's from 
our point of view, from, from, from people's point of view, from our experience of it. Okay. So, so now you know why it burned from the beginning of time and also why it burned for 36 hours. We're just talking about two different paradigms right now. We're talking about from our perception of it. Okay, good. So, so what's interesting here is that you've got this word, Ele HaDavarim. These are the words referring to the Torah. And the Ele are referring to the Or Haganus. In other words, the light went into the Torah. Okay, now, I know right now we're in the middle of a thought here, so if you're confused, we're going to explain it all right now. Okay? And this is now from the B'nai Yisasfer. Very interesting, very interesting stuff. All right. Let's start with this, a new way of understanding the letter Aleph. You know, we've talked about so many levels of the letter Aleph over the years, but now we're going to do a new one. You ready? So, Aleph, as we know, is the first letter of the Aleph base, right? Stands for one. It's the number one. And we know it stands for Hashem too, because God is one. And also the letter Aleph, you know, famously is comprised of three letters. There's the upper Yud and the lower Yud and this diagonal Vav. And that adds up, those three letters add up to 10 plus 10 plus 6, 26, which is the Yud K Vav K. So, so you see God's holiest name, right? Contained within the letter Aleph itself. Okay. And then you have other amazing teachings about the Aleph, that the upper Yud stands for the hidden aspects of the Torah. And that diagonal Vav is like the horizon line. That's the Rakia, right? And the lower Yud stands for the revealed aspects of the Torah in this dimension. Okay, so you've got all sorts of... So in that way, the, the Aleph is a map of the universe. Also, in addition to, you know, condensation of Hashem's holiest name, lots of stuff going on with the letter Aleph. Okay, but now let's, let's, let's look at a new level. You ready? So Aleph is the number one. But, but by vowelizing those same letters differently, remember the way we spell Aleph is the letter Aleph, Lamed Fe, okay? But by vowelizing those exact same letters differently, we get the word Elef. Elef means 1,000. Okay, so that's interesting. Gematria-wise, we've got the letter Aleph is 1, and it's also Gematria 1,000. Now, how does that work that that Aleph or Aleph can be the gematria of 1,000. So, so here's how it works. It works in a very straightforward, logical way. You see, we're used to thinking of the letters of the alphabet as numbering 22 letters. That's what we're used to doing. Um, Aleph through Tuf. Tuf is the final, the 22nd letter. And gematria-wise, that's the number 400. So we're used to the letters going from one, Aleph, to Tav, 400, the last letter. Aha! But there's actually 27 different letters of the Aleph base, because we've got five final letters, and each of the final letters has a different numerical number. Now, since we've got all the ones and all the tens and all the hundreds going up to 400, we don't have to start with the ones and tens again when we do the five final letters. 
So the first of the final letters, starting after the letter um, Tav, is the final Chaf, and that will stand for 500. Okay? Then we have the letter Tzadi, that's, or rather Feng, that's 600. Then Sadi, that's 800. Am I counting right? 500, 600, 700? Okay, then we have uh, Nun and Mem. Nun is 800. Final Nun is 800. And final Mem is 900. So now what's going to be... So now we got all the way up to 900. So what's going to be 1,000? And the answer is Elif. Do you see how that works? <laughs> it's not like we're... The, the, the gematria of the letters stops at 400, and then all of a sudden we've got this new idea, Aleph could be Aleph, and that's a thousand. But do you see how there's this bridge which leads seamlessly from 400, 500, 600, 700, 800, 900 is the last final letter, and now we get Aleph, which is Aleph. Now that's awesome, because it shows you that in contained within the beginning is the very end. We talked about that last week, how the base of Breshis becomes the final mem of Shalom. You can listen to last week's talk if you want to hear a whole lecture on that, how in the first is contained the last, and in Aleph, one is contained Eleph, 1,000. Okay. Now, now that we know that, now that we know that, let's apply it to what we've been talking about, about this original light of creation and making vessels to hold the light of Hashem and loving each other. Okay. All of this is, we're all still on the same topic here. We're just deriving. How can we, because this is a big question. This is, this is the question that humanity has been dealing with since the beginning. How can we make ourselves vessels to hold this great light of Hashem? This is what we've been trying. This is humanity's project since the beginning. It's a very, very important topic that we're on right now. So, so let's 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 continue to to figure this out. Okay. Ele, that's the first word of Devarim. Ela, we said, is, is when Moshe Rabbeinu is now fusing his individuality, his Tor Shabal Pet, with the ultimate reality, the ultimate truth, Tor Shabal Okay? So, so if you look at this word Ele, and again we said that the Baal Shem Tov said, Ele Hadivarim, Eli Devarim, right? These are the words that that Ele, that all of these words went into the Torah. Okay, now Ele, let's look at the word Ele. You could see it as Aleph Lamed He, in which case it would be thirty-six, like we've been saying, right? Or you could say that it's Elif Lamed He. That that same word, that the 36 hours, remember, Ele is 36, 
Those are the 36 hours that this original light burned. Okay? So, let's say that again. The original light of creation burned for 36 hours. Okay? Now, this light of the light of creation is mentioned, this or of or haganus, or is mentioned five times in the beginning of Breshis. So the word light, or, is 207. It's mentioned five times. This or haganus is mentioned five times in the beginning of Breshi. So the B'nai Asaskar makes a calculation. He says, well, if or is 207, and it's mentioned five times, what's five times 207? That's going to give us the essence of what this great light was on a numerical level. So the answer is, or 207 times 5 times the 5 mentions of it is 1,035. Okay? So 1,035 stands for the Or Haganus, which is the 36 hours that it burned for. Okay? So now look at this. Look at the word Ele, which is 36. 36 is the 36 hours that it burned for. Well, you can spell it Aleph Lamed He, or you could spell it Elif, which is 1,000 Lamed He, which is 1,035. So in other words, in the word Ele, which is 36, which is the 36 hours that the Or Haganus burned for, contains the Gematria 1,035, because Ele is Elif, 1,000, Lamed He, 35, which is the extent of the 207, the or times 5 that it's mentioned in the Torah. In other words, what you have here is a lockstep correlation between the 36 hours it burned for and the great light that's mentioned in the Torah itself. Now, what does that have to do with us? Well, there's another word that's 36. That's very relevant to us right now. And we're saying that there's this correlation between this great light of creation and the 36, the number 36, which is the hours that it burned for. Do you know what else is number 36? The word Echa. Do you see what that means? Eicha is the word that's the name of the book of Lamentations that we read on Tisha B'Av. Eicha 36 is the same gematria as this great light of creation. In other words, we couldn't contain the light. And so it manifests itself as all the destruction. And Eicha is what we read on Tisha B'Av, which is commemorating all the destructions of of the Jewish people throughout history. All because we haven't been able to hold this light, this 36. But do you see, we already answered our question. So how can we hold this 36? Because 36, which is Echa, which is destruction, is also Ele, which is Ele HaDavarim, 
that this 36, this light of creation, went into the Devarim, went into the words of the Torah itself, because the Torah is big enough to be a vessel in order to hold this light. In other words, if we can make ourselves into Torahs, we can hold the light. If we can make ourselves into Torahs, we can hold the light. Sefer Devarim begins with the word Ele. That's the fusion of Moshe Rabbeinu, Tor Shebek Tzav and Tor Shabalped. All of us taking our uniqueness and fusing our will with the will of God. If we do that, we become vessels that can hold this tremendous light. If we don't do this, then we become the 36 of Echa, which is just a vessel that can't hold the light and it's just destruction throughout history. Nothing, nothing can hold the light more than making yourself into a Torah. And how do we do it? You know, the Chachamim say that every single person has 613 different body parts, organs, sinews. We're, we're Torahs anyway. It's not like we have to make ourselves into Torahs. We're already Torahs. The hard work was already done by God, right? And nothing's hard for God. God already made us into Torahs. But we have to expand our vessels. I'll just tell you something on a very practical level. And I know this is, this is something that a lot of people fall into a trap. You say, well, I'm good friends with you, you're good friends with me. You're mad at someone. And then you say, well, you know something? Either you demanded of me or I demanded of myself. As an act of loyalty to you, you hate that person, I'm going to hate them too. You're in a fight with that person. I'm also in a fight with that person. Can I tell you something? Stop doing it. It's the Yetzirah. You think you're being a good friend. You hate that person. I'm going to hate them too because we're such good friends. Don't fall into that trap. It's hating people for absolutely no reason. What did they ever do to you? They didn't do anything to you. And if this person, your friend, your family member, your loved one, is demanding hatred from you, say, listen, I love you. I want there be, to be peace between you and the other person. I get that the other person hurt you. I'm validating you. But why do I have to take on the hatred? It's so ironic because we think we're being good friends when we do that. I'm such a loyal person. I'm such a loyal person. But if, 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 if my loyalty is turning me into a hate machine, then, then I've perverted the true sense of what loyalty is all about. You know, 
Hashem is doing some big things with the world right now by isolating people. We've talked about it a number of times, but it's real. God wants us to get these fundamental relationships with each other right. What about the people who you see on a daily basis? We've got to get these relationships right. You know, there was a story going around on the internet this past week. I don't know if you saw it. It was a a Jewish person and 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 a uh, you know someone a, a Spanish speaking person, not Jewish, shows up to help him. His car broke down, and he he the the. Uh, person sees that he's dealing with someone Jewish, so he, the Spanish-speaking guy starts starts speaking Yiddish to him. He says, and he's very surprised, he says, where did you learn Yiddish? He goes, okay, I'm going to tell you the story. He said, I used to be a, a police officer, and when the Satmar Rebbe was in town, he says, do you know who that is? He goes, the Satmar Rebbe, of course, I, of course I know who that is. He says, I was his escort, his police escort. And I spent so much time with him over the years that I picked up Yiddish. So, you know, the man was like overwhelmed. This is incredible, you know. And then the the Spanish-speaking guy says to him, hey, let me ask you a question. Do you know what the the, the expression Yiddish a cup means? And the guy goes, of course I know what it means. He goes, well, what does it mean? He says, a Yiddish a cup means that, you know, that, um, you know, there's a, it's a level of intelligence, you know, that, you know, like, uh, you, you know, you, you, you understand something. You've got a Yiddish cup, you know, you're, 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 you're smart. He, and now listen to this. This is the end of the story. The man says back to the Jew, he goes, well, you guys have a Yiddish cup, right? You guys are so smart. If, if the temple was destroyed, if we're all in exile because you all can't figure out how to get along with each other. If you're so smart, if you've got this Yiddish cup, how is it that you haven't figured out how to get along with each other in all this time? You know, I've seen it. I've seen it with my young kids, with my young kids where it's sort of like the meal ends, you know, it's like, say, a Shabbos meal or something like that. And then, you know, me and my wife, we start clearing the table. And the little kids are just sitting around. And you're like, help us clear the table. What's the matter with you? Get up, pick stuff up. No, don't. Don't just pick up two things. You just, you keep on going back to the table and you keep on clearing it until the entire table is cleared and then until everything is put away in the refrigerator. That, that, that's the part we're up to right now. And I can't tell you how many years it's taken with, with children who have a Yiddish cup, right? Smart kids, right? Can I know her? We're sort of, no, no, no. A, it's a revelation I'm supposed to do anything. B, it's a revelation that I'm supposed to do more than just pick up my own plate and, and bring it in. But let's apply this thinking to us, to you and me right now. It's like, it's not extra credit to get along with other people. This is the job. 
This is the job that all of the world, that all of us, that all of history has been waiting for. And it's it's crazy that people are going through life and it's like, it's not even occurring to them. How can that be, right? Like we have to realize, no, 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 our job's not done until we're at peace with all of the people that we have to deal with in our lifetime. It's not extra credit. This this is the job. See, think about it on a very deep level. If one letter is missing from the Torah, then the Torah is not kosher. We're saying each one of us has to become a Torah in order to hold this great light. But each one of us is a Torah, which means each one of us contains all the letters of everyone else. Everyone is inside of me. I'm inside of all of you. All of us are all inside of each other because each one of us is a letter and every one of us is a safer Torah. So all the letters, all of Israel is inside of me and all of Israel is inside of you. But let me ask you a question. If you don't have a relationship with this person, then that letter is missing from you. Now all of a sudden you're not a safer Torah. If I'm fighting with that person, now that letter is not inside of me. Now I'm not a safer Torah anymore. Now I can't hold the light. When we, when we make peace with each other, we restore all those letters that are missing from each one of us personally, from our own personal Sefer Torah. I need for there to be peace between you and me because I need your letter in my Sefer Torah so that my Sefer Torah can be complete, so that I can hold this exalted light. We'll stop here. So one final thought, uh, just just to maybe hammer home uh, how to look at each other, um, how to make room for each other. Uh, imagine, just to give you an example, imagine I'm a great baseball player and I see some people in the park and they're playing football and I start laughing at them and I go, Haha, you call this baseball? You don't, you don't even know how to play baseball. Now, meanwhile, they're playing football. They're, they're playing a completely different game. And I'm just sort of like laughing at them how I'm so much better at baseball. They, they don't even know the rules of baseball. Look at what are they doing? They don't even know the shape of the ball that you're supposed to use. So who's the fool? I'm the fool. I'm the fool because they're playing a completely different game. And all I can see is out of my own point of view, you know, like from my perspective. So, so I think we have to understand that every single one of us is playing, so to speak, a completely different game. And when we look at the other person and we think they're playing the same game, they're playing football, but all I know is baseball. So I think they're playing baseball terribly. Meanwhile, they've got a completely different world going on. So this is where I think all the jealousies and disconnects and judgments begin.
Each one of us has a different job in this world. You do things that I can't do. I'm doing things you can't do. Every single person is unique. Every person is working their own, like tikkun, their own fixing. So, so when we understand that, we can have a good eye for each other because the competition isn't between the two of us because we're we're, we're we've got two separate missions. And then when you realize that, we can be supportive and loving of everyone because your success is not coming out of my pocket. In fact, your success is helping me because the more each one of us is succeeding, the better it is for all of us. So, so let's understand that when we look at each other, this idea that we're all leaving our Egypt at different paces at different times in different ways. Let's not make the mistake of thinking that you're just another version of me. Because it's not just that I shouldn't judge you. It's that I can't judge you because I don't know what your tikkun is, what your fixing is. And then once, once I realize that, all I can do is just be supportive. Okay. And to realize that when we make room for each other, we're actually completing ourselves. Thanks for listening. We do this every week. So join in again next Sunday for our new podcast where we explore the amazingness of life. And review us and send in any comments or suggestions. I'd love to hear them. 